So as I, uh, as I said at the beginning of the service, uh, this morning we're doing something different. We are kicking off a four-week series that's really unlike anything we've done before uh, in my time here over the last decade at Holy Trinity. Uh, in place of our usual sermon, we're going to be doing a series of interviews, interviewing members of our church family. And we're calling this series, This Is My Story. And my hope in putting together this series is that you will be encouraged by how God has been at work in the midst of those around you. And that at the same time, you'll be inspired to ask him to do a greater and deeper work in your own lives. And so this morning, we're going to kick off with Jason and Janine Palacio, two of the newest members of our church. Uh, Jason is our new clergy associate for community formation. And the Palacios recently arrived here in the U.S. from Cape Town, South Africa. And I am really excited for you all to get to hear a little bit of their story this morning and to get to know the passions that drive them in life and in ministry. So Jason and Janine, welcome. It's great to have you here. And I want to start with some basics uh, so good. that folks can get to know you. Which, and the first is, so how long have you been married and, and where did you meet? So we've been married for nearly 19 years. Um, our anniversary is on the 7th of December, which means nothing in South Africa, but it means a lot here apparently. Wow. Uh, we've, um, we met in Cape Town. We met at a Sunday evening service. So we met at church. Church is a great place to meet your spouse. And, um, and yeah, it was, um, it was quite an interesting. Can you, can, you tell, can you just tell us who noticed whom first? I'm not sure. I, I do remember vividly that Janine wore a pair of brown corduroy pants. <laughs> so I suppose that means I noticed her first. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a corduroy was in, in South Africa so corduroy. in that year, although Jason will tell you. The, the, South Africa never had the 90s. South Africa had the 80s twice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we were, um, I suppose what happened after that is the, the young adults at that church would often go uh, for milkshakes to the Spur, to anyone who's been to South Africa, but it's just a local restaurant. And we were driving down the road. I was, I was driving in my own car and Janine had a group of the young adults in her car. Uh, we just met at, the, at that uh, evening service and uh, we were going down the same road and we stopped at a robot. Traffic lights. Traffic lights. Um, Wait, did you call it a robot? We call them robots. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Okay. So they stopped at a they robot. They stopped at a robot. Just the traffic light. And, uh, and, and the girls who were in the car with Janine, I guess they thought that I was just an American visiting one night and they slammed a piece of paper up against the window saying, what's your number? And I, that girl then proceeded to leave the next day for Holland and I was at church the next week when Jason arrived back. Excellent. In the, in the, we say hooting, the honking car. That's right. There's an urban legend that comes up at family gatherings from time to time that Janine's mom actually went to Janine after that service and said there was a really nice boy at church tonight. I think he'd be great for your sister. <laughs> Janine replied, don't worry, I'm not interested. <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked out between the two of you. I'm glad that uh, Janine's friend asked for your number and then proceeded to leave the country. Um, so, you all have been married 19 years, you have three kids, can you tell us uh, about your three kids, where, where they are in school, etc.? So we've got Kira, Ethan and Tyler, Kira is ninth grade, Ethan seventh and Tyler is fifth and they are all thankfully going to be at Trinity because otherwise I would have three schools apparently that I'd have to drop them off at. And uh, Janine, how... 
how has been how has the culture shock been as you've adjusted to school? I know um, shopping for school supplies, school uniforms, it's a little bit different. So I'm going to use a word now and explain, but I love stationery. So that's something that excites me. So I got a list from the school stating that I needed to get supplies. And so we headed off to Walmart. Thank goodness there were five of us. It took us two and a half hours because I did not know what was written on that piece of paper. First of all... First of all, we asked for the stationery aisle and people just looked at us blankly because we were at Walmart looking for stationery. So then I remembered when I downloaded it, it said school supplies. So I was like, school supplies? Then they directed me. The, the, the paper that you use is not even the same size paper back home. So that was a culture shock of note. Um, but together, we did a really good job, and we've gotten it all. No, we don't, but You're we close. still need to find a calculator. A calculator. So two and a half hours in Walmart with five of you, that's a long time. <laughs> but I also think it's probably about average. Um, for shopping for school supplies. So I'm glad you survived. I'm glad you've made it. Um, so I just want to ask, how are you all doing with Janine's microphone? Can you hear her okay? Great. Talk a little bit louder. Talk slower. Can you understand a word she's saying? You're getting there? Every second word. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we, we talked about this because we, in preparing for this interview, we're like, okay, we speak the same language, but not really. Um, and so it is, it is, uh, it'll, it'll be work to understand each other. Um, so one of the best ways for folks to get to know you all is to hear how you came to faith and to get to know just a little bit more of your backgrounds. So Janine, um, I'm going to start with you. You grew up in Cape Town, and you and I actually have something in common. We are both the children of Anglican ministers. And... Um, and Janine's father was a minister, eventually became a bishop, is now the reti a retired bishop in Cape Town. And everyone knows that, um, that pastor's kids have a hard time. And, and I just want to know, how is it, how is it that you came to faith and that you stuck with it? All right, I'll talk slower. You can slow me down. <clears throat> All right, so I was fortunate to grow up in a Christian home, as John mentioned, both my parents became Christians when they were teenagers, and after getting married, they went into full-time Christian ministry. So when I was born, I was born straight into um, a family that was in full-time Christian ministry. And for me, church was always associated with a place of warmth, it was a place of love and security, and I really loved every church gathering. In our home, the gospel was taught and it was modeled to us by my parents. I was fortunate to see in my parents what it looked like to follow Jesus and also that we could entrust ourselves, entrust our lives to a God who is trustworthy and who is faithful. It wasn't always easy, as John mentioned. Um, we were often the first to arrive at church, and we were often the last to leave. We grew up going to church on a Sunday, as my children will let you know as well, where my parents 
were available to talk to everyone except me and my two <laughs> sisters. And we also had to sit through sermons where the illustration would begin with, I know this child who, <laughs> I just say all of those as a joke because I actually really did enjoy growing up as a pastor's kid. Not everyone does, I really enjoyed it. And I was actually thinking this morning, one of the memories that I have is being a young child, probably around Tyler's age, where my dad would have his um, Bible studies and his council meetings in our home because we didn't have a church building. And the men would arrive and my dad was still getting ready. I would let them in the door and I would happily sit down in the lounge and I would talk to these men and my dad would come in and then have to dismiss me. <laughs> and I went reluctantly. <laughs> but for me, being a pastor's kid was, I enjoyed the lifestyle. But as I thought about the question, how have I stuck with it? I realized it's not because I was a pastor's kid. It's not because I followed a formula. It was really by the grace of God. And that's a real comfort for me because it reminds me that who I am as a Christian, the fact that I stand today firm in my faith, is a reflection of the God that has held me over these years and not of my own works. It is purely by his grace. And although I know it is by his grace, there is also a human aspect to our Christian life. And for me, when I look back on my life, I realize there've been two pillars that have really stood me in good stead. So the first has been God's word, and the second has been God's people. So I've been really fortunate to have been surrounded by the most incredibly godly friends. And together, we have been able to encourage each other and pray for each other through all seasons of life. And so for me, it's been really beneficial to be able to process this life with other Christians. So in short, as I look back on my life, I can't give you a day or a time or an event when I became a Christian. But equally so, I can't think of a day in my life where I have not known the Lord. Mm, that's great. I hope you caught um, what Janine had to say, that, that in her home growing up, the gospel was taught and modeled. So it wasn't just something that was said, it was something that was lived. Uh, and, and, and then she said that um, it was God's grace that sustained her and the word of God and the people of God that buoyed her all along the way. It's wonderful. And, and those are, that's true for all of us. So Jason, you did not grow up in Cape Town. No. But you moved there as a teenager. And uh, can you tell us just a bit about your parents, where you grew up, how you ended up in Cape Town, and then how Jesus fits into all of that? Yeah, yeah. So my father is from Cuba, my mother's from South Africa, and they met and got married in Brazil. Uh, they, I was born in Florida, and then... <laughs> <laughs> That's not nearly as exotic no, or exciting. No, 
no. Tampa Bay. Oh. I was born in Florida, uh, moved to New York uh, as a teenager, and uh, then uh, straight after high school went on a surf trip to South Africa for three months and stayed there for 24 years. My parents became Christians around the time that I was born through another couple who befriended them and shared the gospel with them. I'm eternally grateful to that couple and to that church plant that did that. And as new Christians, my parents did everything in that they could to make sure that I heard the gospel. As a young boy, I was that kid in Sunday school who knew all the answers and could recite all of the memory verses. When we moved to New York, I became friends with a group of young people who though they would call themselves Christians and were very much Christians on Sunday, uh, did, not live with a did not have a relationship with Jesus, uh, would not have called the, the Jesus their Lord or the ruler of their lives. And although they were Christians on a Sunday, they were not Christians at any other time in the week. I do believe that the Lord took me out of that environment in New York to South Africa uh, in order to call me back to himself. And he did that, uh, and again, this is a shared thread, through the word of God and through the people of God. In South Africa, I became friends with a group of people at a church who had a genuine relationship with Jesus uh, that was modeled in the way that they lived their lives. Uh, and what is more is they challenged me in a loving way about my wrong thinking uh, and called me back to the gospel. Uh, so that is the short version of my story uh, of how I came to faith and how God used his people uh, and also used geographical areas uh, in the world to call me back to himself and really to reignite the faith that had been planted in me uh, as a young child. And I can honestly say that I have loved him and uh, served him uh, for the last 24 years uh, by his grace. And I'm grateful to the people that he planted along the way to call me back to himself. So you went to Cape Town for three months. You stayed for 24 years, which I, I, won't, I don't want to ask about what kind of trouble you had with visas, because I think that would be overstaying. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's Bye. South Africa. Um, <clears throat> you, um, you went to college seminary. Yep. You were trained and ordained. Um, you served in a church in Cape Town, and then you all went to, to England and served for a few years in ministry there. You came back to Cape Town to serve uh, in a church in Cape Town uh, once again. And then um, just over 10 years ago, you all uh, planted a church in Cape Town. Could you, could you just tell us the name of the church and a little bit of the story of how you came to plant it and why? Yep. Uh, so the church is called Southern Cross Church. And um, I think what really was behind the church plant um, was one of the main things that was behind the church plant is, is Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. Colossians 1 verse 6 says, In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you uh, since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel is God's gospel. And we don't grow the gospel. God grows the gospel. The Bible teaches us that the gospel is always growing. Uh, as the church, as the people of God, we have a responsibility to figure out ways to house that growth. And uh, I was uh, of the conviction uh, that one of the best ways to house gospel growth was through church planting. So Southern Cross began out of a desire to see that gospel growth. Um, and we were at a church that had reached its seating capacity. It had three services on a Sunday already. 
And I can say this, I really felt the Lord calling me to plant a church. I had never experienced anything like that uh, before. I've never experienced anything like it since. And I can only say in hindsight that I feel that it was a calling because it, it, did, it worked. The Lord did make it, make it happen. Uh, and so I approached the leadership of the church that I was at uh, with a little bit of a plan. Uh, we worked on it and tweaked it together and they thought that this was a good idea. And so we took some people, about 25 adults uh, from that church uh, who already lived in an area a few miles north to plant a church. And that did two things. Firstly, it freed up some space uh, in the church that we were leaving behind for more gospel growth to take place. And secondly, it began a new work uh, that would house gospel growth in a new area. Um, our prayer and hope and our goal uh, with the plant was that we would reach uh, the other 90%. So we worked out that about 10% of people in our area went to church and we didn't want to reach those 10%. We wanted to reach the other 90% of people with the gospel. And by God's grace and with his help, about two thirds of our growth came from either unchurched or de-churched people. So unchurched people who had never heard the gospel, never been the churched, and de-churched people who had maybe heard the gospel as children, they'd been to Sunday school or they'd been to church maybe uh, through their university years but had walked away from the Lord and hadn't been part of a church for five years or longer. Uh, so that's kind of the story of Southern Cross. Now, Janine, I, I know from talking to the two of you that you actually weren't all that excited about planting a church. Um, can, you, can you tell us why you weren't excited about this and then what changed your mind? It makes me sound terrible when you actually say those words out loud, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it is the truth, um, and the story ends very differently. I think for me, when Jason came to me and said he had this passion and he wanted to plant a church, at the time we had, Kira was probably... Four? Yeah, she was four when we started. She was probably a bit younger than four when you started yeah. thinking about it. And we were part of a church. We were actually part of the church that um, my parents had planted, that I had grown up in. Jason was the youth worker. I was the children's pastor. And I just looked at him and said, why would you want to leave an established church where there is children's ministry, there is youth ministry, everything is great. There's actually no reason for us to look elsewhere. Can't we just keep carrying on um, in this church? It ticks all the boxes. So at the time, I just felt like we were stepping out of something that was really good into something that was non-existent <laughs> and very unpredictable. <laughs> And do you remember what changed your mind? Was there any one incident or just did Jason just gradually beat you down? <laughs> so Jason reminded me that um, we had gone together to go drop off some Sunday school material at one of the, the teachers. And she lived in the area that Jason had been looking at for planting a church. And I turned to him and said to him after we'd been driving through the neighborhood that it just struck me that there were no churches in that area. Um, so that was quite a sobering um, realization. Mm. So seeing, seeing the need, yeah. you went. Seeing the need. Um, 
So what you all don't know, some of you know this uh, from when we were with the men last uh, Sunday. Um, I first met Jason and Janine about four and a half, five years ago. And we were introduced to one another through Janine's father, who is a retired bishop in South Africa. Uh, he reached out to me. We had, we had met at an Anglican gathering in Kenya. And Des, her father, reached out and said, hey, my daughter and son-in-law are coming to the States. I'd love for them to, to meet you. We'd love for you to spend some time together, just get to know each other. And um, so the first time we actually met each other was when they walked into our home to stay for several nights as a family. And um, the, if, you, if you've ever had someone come, you know, come to stay in your home that you've never met, you know, that's a little unnerving. Um, but I do remember, I remember after they came in about 90 seconds into their visit, looking over at Alicia and just smiling uh, because we, uh, we just hit it off instantly. And uh, we had um, a really wonderful visit with them when they first came. Uh, we've uh, continued that friendship over the last few years. Jason, some of you may remember, Jason actually came and preached one Sunday several years ago when I was out of town and he was coming through. Uh, coming through the states. I think he was at the beach. I was at the beach. Yes. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. It was with the New City Fellows, so it's yes. okay. Um, but as we've become friends, and as our families have gotten to know each other, um, there are two things in particular about you all that I've noticed. And and the first, and I think this has already begun to come across, is that that you all have a a deep and sincere love for people who don't know Jesus. And the second thing is that um, I've learned that you all see your home uh, not as an escape or, or not, as a, not as a castle or a private place. You see your home as an extension of the church. And I wonder if you could share just a little bit about how evangelism and hospitality play a role in your approach to ministry? So I, I think that I'm going to call, I'll, I'll share a couple of stories along the way to, and, and Janine can add in uh, as she wants to. Um, I think that it, just in terms of the, the home uh, being, ex, being an extension of our ministry, the home being an extension of our church, um, you know, the passage that was read to us from Luke chapter 16, that parable uh, of the, the manager who was dishonest. Uh, it's a very skeptical, it's, it's a strange parable, isn't it? And yet uh, his master commended him for what he did, the way that he used unrighteous wealth to make friends. And our Lord Jesus commands us to, to do the same thing. Um, and so as we've thought about the, the, the resources that we're called to steward uh, as Christians, one of those resources is our home. And so we love having people in our home and using our home to build friendships, to build deep relationships, to build bridges that the gospel can walk across into people's lives. Uh, so, you know, just a, a couple of the stories along the way. I can remember, uh, Janine and I both uh, love to run. Uh, Janine loves it more than I do, and she got me hooked. But um, one, of the, one of the stories that really comes to mind is that uh, when our children were young, we couldn't run together, so Janine went off and joined a running club. And I think on the, the first or second time she went, uh, she met a, a girl who was from a Muslim background who was a little bit younger than she was, and, and they hit it off because they, they both love to talk, and they have the gift of being able to talk while they run. I don't have that gift. <laughs> and over the course of uh, a few months, 
they, uh, they struck up this friendship. And there came a point uh, in this young girl's life where she turned to Jesus and said, uh, turned to Janine and asked her to tell, uh, to introduce her to Jesus. And so Janine would then run, and then this girl would come over and into our home after they run, and Janine's a Christianity explored with, uh, explored with her, just one-to-one, uh, just in our lounge. And, uh, and so that was, that was one of the, one, mm. that's one of the stories. Another one of the stories is a, is a, is a friendship that we have with a family. Uh, Janine has known the wife since they were in grade school together. Uh, I've known them for the last 12 or 13 years. Uh, our children are all the same age, and we would spend uh, countless hours because our children were friends just in each other's homes, and they would come for, not just for dinner, but just to, um, they come for driveway beers. <laughs> well, the, the husband and I would come for, we'd have driveway beers, and, uh, and, and the kids would run around and play on their bikes, and over the course of, of about uh, 10 years, and over this friendship, uh, this relationship was built up in such a way, and there was a, a situation that took place where I happened to be in their home one night, and uh, just because of some stuff that was happening with their family, shared the gospel with their middle son, who was uh, 10 or 11 at the time, but the whole family gathered around to hear this, and uh, at the end of the evening when I was leaving, they said to me, we'll be at church on Sunday. And we'd invited them before, and they'd never been interested, but they said, we'll be at church on Sunday. And I wasn't sure what to make of that, but they were at church that Sunday, and have been ever since. Uh, it's such an amazing story, because the, the girl that Janine ran with, she also ran with this wife, by the way, but the, so if Janine asks to run with you, be careful. Or if you have any friends that you want Janine to run with, let her also know. Also be careful, because I don't know my way around here, and I got lost this week, so. And how, lo how long did you end up going? So I went for a 30-minute run. I, I haven't been able to do the miles, so I was going for six kilometers, and I got home 90 minutes later, because apparently the Greenway is not a loop. <laughs> four, 14 kilometers later, that's the story. But um, so that was, uh, so, but um, the one, the, 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 the first girl is actually leading uh, one of Janine's Bible studies now that she left behind. Uh, and the other wife is actually leading one of the kids clubs that we left behind. I think the other story that really strikes me is uh, we had a young man married, um, two young kids, and he came to me one Sunday. He'd been attending the church and he said, I'd like to get my children baptized, but I actually really do not know what I believe. So I said, that's great, let's, let's meet. And we did, again, it happened to be Christianity Explored. I did it with him and a couple of other young guys. And um, by the end of it, he said, okay, I'm comfortable. I have trusted in Jesus. I know what I need to teach my children about Christianity. I'm ready to get them baptized. But the more interesting thing about that story for me is that he and I had a cup of coffee uh, just a couple of weeks before we left. And we'd been walking this road together for about six years at this point. And he just said to me, I have... I, I am the person I am today because of the time that you spent with me over cups of coffee talking about life and the gospel and how faith and work intersect and what kind of a husband and father I'm supposed to be. And again, it's, you know, it's not the day of great things, it's just small one-to-one -one things, but it's just in that context of relationship, uh, not just to see people coming to faith, but to see people growing in their faith and going deeper in the gospel. Hmm. Janine, what do you want to add to that? I have a lot to add to that. I always have a lot to add, so I'll try not to go <laughs> I'll just too... cut you off if you get okay, too long. Okay, John's going to cut me off. Um, I think one of the things that has made our ministry unique, Jason's mentioned it, is that we've never separated 
our personal lives from our ministry lives. And the main reason for this is that very early on, we realized that people are broken, that we are broken, and so this makes life very messy, which also makes ministry very messy. One of our biggest desires has always been to walk this life alongside other broken people, guiding and directing each other to the Lord Jesus, encouraging each other to grow in godliness and to honor the Lord with our lives. We knew that we could not do this with people outside of a relationship with them. And we also knew that relationships take time. So as Jason mentioned, over the years, we have used our home, which we view as an extension of our lives, to welcome children, teenagers, and adults into our lives and to get to know each other, to do everyday life with each other, to be vulnerable, to laugh and have fun together, and to study God's word and to let that shape our lives. This life is hard, and trying to get through pretending that you have it all together, I always think will one day backfire on you. <laughs> I found this to be particularly true amongst women I've found that it's almost seen as a status symbol to have the appearance that you have it all together. But this is very crushing. And there's going to come a day where we will feel like we failed or that we just can't go on. And so it's as we've opened up our homes, we've also opened up our lives, our messy, broken lives, to those around us. And it's been so wonderful to be able to build genuine, vulnerable, and honest relationships. And to be able to enjoy the friendship and fellowship that comes as we acknowledge that we don't have it all together. But that together, as we do life alongside one another, with God's word as our guide, our journey this side of heaven can be full of joy and blessings. So our focus has always been on God's word and people. And the reason for that is that I feel the Bible shows us that there's actually only two things that we can take with us into eternity one day. And that is our soul and the souls of others. And so we found great joy in opening up our home in its messy, chaotic, and broken state, and enjoying the blessing of doing life together. But what you need to know is that we are terrible entertainers, hosts. I don't know what you call We don't put on a good show. <laughs> but I really do hope that you will find yourself often in our home, because we want to do life with you. We want to do the good days, the bad days, the happy and the easy days, because this is life. Mm. And so what I want you to know is that our door, our front door, is always open. You're welcome to come anytime. Like I said to John yesterday, our door is locked at night because I'm from South Africa, and even having my door unlocked during the day has been a challenge. <laughs> so at night it's locked, but during the day, 
we'd love for you to come pop in, to have some coffee, to come have a chat, and to know that you are always welcome. I can testify to the fact that uh, we, we have already actually been invited over to dinner and had dinner with them. Um, I, I think half of us were at a table, half of us were in borrowed NC State lawn chairs uh, because furniture is still uh, coming in. Uh, but it is a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful home and you all are, are uh, you might not entertain, but you sure know how to practice hospitality. Jason, um, I see you've got your Bible open and um, you all chose the readings this morning. Um, is there anything you want to share just out of that First Peter passage? Yeah, I think that, you know, that First Peter passage, just to bring it back into our minds again, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. But then it goes on in verse 10 and says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What we want you to know from us is that, is that our expectation is not that you're going to necessarily be like us. We're not all called to uh, this gift of showing hospitality, but we have each received a gift and we're responsible to use whatever that gift is to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So please know that as we do life with you, we hope that we will encourage and spur you on to discover what your gifts are so that we can together as a body, as the body of Christ, uh, serve our God and be wonderful stewards of that, gifts and, uh, of that gift that he's given us. And as a, a healthy body that is full of vitality, uh, walk together into the kingdom, see it extend here in Raleigh and beyond, and walk uh, together and see each other in eternity. I think that's where the Luke passage also ties in. I, I look forward to and I pray and hope that we will welcome one another into eternity and many others from this city, many others whom God is calling from this city uh, as we serve our Lord together with the gifts that he's given to us. Last question. Um, I wonder, as you think about ministry here in Raleigh, what's most exciting? What's most daunting? I think the thing that excites me most about being here is the knowledge that God has brought us here. If you know our story, you'll know that God really has brought us here. Mm. There's been a number of um, challenges along the way. <clears throat> but through many answered prayers and incredible provisions, the Lord has, um, has really given us great peace in knowing that he has um, called us to be here at Holy Trinity Raleigh. And even though we aren't 100% sure exactly what it is that the Lord has in store for us, I'm really excited to see how God will use us here at Holy Trinity and to see his plans unfold. What scares me is that no one understands me. <laughs> I know we all speak English, but let's be honest, we probably could have done with a translator this morning. But I'm really excited to see how the gospel will unite us and, um, yeah, how the gospel will unite us despite our cultural differences. I think that for me, um, and I'll, I'll use a, a very short illustration, I hope that we will be a catalyst here at Holy Trinity as you all know, my children love surfing. We all love surfing. One of the things I've had to do over the years is repair surfboards 
And when you repair a surfboard, you use, you use fiberglass and resin. And when you get the resin, you just get this little can of resin, and it just sits liquid until you add just a few drops of catalyst. It's often one or two or three small drops into a relatively large pot of resin. And, and as we think about Holy Trinity, what excites me is that we're just a couple of drops. There's five of us that have come to join your family. You're a big pot of resin. But it excites me that we could be a catalyst uh, for so many things that are already existing and that we can work together. Um, so we don't see ourselves for one moment as a silver bullet, but just as a catalyst to spur uh, this congregation on to love and good deeds, uh, but to do that together in relationship and in community. It's a great image, and um, I'd love to pray for us and for the Palacios as we wrap up. Lord God, thank you for this image of um, the pot of resin and the drops of catalyst. And I pray that you would use Jason and Janine and Kira and Ethan and Tyler as those drops of catalyst. That um, through their presence, through their life, through their work here, you would reveal yourself to us. That you would lead us more deeply into relational evangelism and to the ministry of hospitality that this would be a community where more and more come to know you and to see you and to experience your love for the very first time. Thank you for the Palacios, for the gift that they have already been and that they will be to this congregation. Lord, pour out your grace on them during this time of transition. Bless them richly and may they settle in that they might uh, serve you well and steward your grace with joy in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think it's entirely appropriate to give them a round of applause. Let's stand and sing together our song of praise. What a beautiful name. It's printed here on page eight.